0: To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at VIP.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com.
1: Hey everyone, this is Diana Morgan. I am the head of community at this startup called Copy AI, where we specialize in AI copywriting. I am based in Los Angeles, California. It's never the same, so that's probably why I'm in this type of profession. Uh, You know, having a community role is never about consistency, excuse me, there's different types of consistency. I think you have to show up, be present, and be around and available. And that type of consistency is really valued. But I think the projects, programs, and relationship building has to be on a constant cycle, you know? So maybe I don't really do it by the day, but maybe Mondays are like my partnership outreach days. And then Tuesdays are my platform engagement days on the community platforms, because you know, it's kind of awkward if I'm constantly blasting them every day, right? <laughs> and maybe Wednesdays are my event days. Actually, Wednesdays are the days I've been doing, going to meetups and stuff and in introducing myself, I guess, to other um, community members, especially during this welcome back to the world after COVID time. So <laughs> you just have to keep it as an ongoing cycle. And I would say my weeks are more consistent than my days, if that makes sense. <laughs> It's interesting. I batch
0: up my days too. Like Mondays is a particular type of meeting but not really, but I'll have meetings. Then Tuesday is my no meeting and focus on operations day. Wednesday is my official meetings day. Thursday and Friday are my podcast interview days. And so on Mondays and Tuesdays is typically like when I'm doing management or um, editing anything from the YouTube channel to overseeing the podcast episodes that that our editing team does like, like every day I'm, and then I also work on the weekends and, Every single day I, I make space to prioritize self-care and I work on the weekends because it's like a creative endeavor. Like podcasting to me is me being an artist, writing is being an artist. So even though this is my work too, it's also how I express myself creatively. So yeah, batching, huge. <laughs> That's amazing. Not everybody knows what copy AI is. So what is copy AI and how should we be using it?
1: Definitely. So, Copy.ai is a startup that launched around nine months ago. Uh, it started with our co-founders, Paul and Chris, where basically uh, they were very into GPT-2, GPT-3 coming out, and there's a lot of traction across the internet and the world about what the, the models that Open.ai was developing. So, with the private beta access to Open.ai's uh, models it launched a whole wave of GPT-3 startups to start, you know, coming up and a very niche type of startup in the world of, you know, SaaS and (laughs) software as well. So, and what GPT-3 is, it's natural language processing models where it can create human-like text. And so I believe it was originally for the use case of coding or, you know, you can, the computer can generate new types of code and you know, software engineers can take the backseat a little bit, but a more practical everyday use case, uh, which is what Copy AI is achieving, is marketing copy or writing in general. So, for example, what you can do on our website, we have around 95 tools, we're about to hit 100, I think, of different prompts in which you can input something. So you could put a uh, product description. So we could put a uh, woman in tech uh, Esprit's podcast <laughs> and say, um, weekly podcast based about women in tech, you know, conquering the world. And it'll spit out 10 different versions of saying that and it'll add things. And, you know, since your podcast is public, it probably will pull things from the internet and already have some information you want to have expected on there, right? The company started to take off because uh, the co-founders were very public about all of their Numbers on Twitter. So, their monthly recurring revenue, the user acquisition, just the quick traction was really amazing for, I think, a lot of tech Twitter, the tech community in general to see that. And so, with their growing MRR, they decided to expand the team. But then, what they realized is they need someone to deal with their big community online of not just that many users, but also the fans of just the company itself. So a little bit of background on
2: Copy AI. Hey, this is Amanda Light, co-founder and director of growth at Nimbler.ai, an AI scheduling and communication platform based in Los Angeles. Yeah. So when I was in college, I started a job that was like part-time for another entrepreneur, but it was, it was more like a sales gig essentially. Um, And it was in logistics, which is another great industry, very, very ripe for innovation and Defragmenting—not a very sexy industry—but mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started kind of working for him. He had a consulting company, so making calls, you know, doing the the grind, the sales work. He was building this kind of marketplace, not really a silo, but in healthcare to connect in. Sorry, in um, logistics to connect right. forwarders with shippers and customers, independent sales reps. It's very there's a lot of moving parts there, so. I loved what he was doing. He he inspired me. And so I kind of started with sales for him. And then he had this prototype and he was after college, he was like, do you want to try this out with me and see if we can't figure out who to sell this to, how to sell it, what we need to change about it, what our product market fit is. And I was like, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. So he went in a little bit of a different direction and we're still working on another product in logistics, which is awesome. And I still work with him on, on a weekly basis. But basically that gave me the taste of entrepreneurship and I loved it, right? Wearing all the hats, trying everything, grinding and and learning so fast. And then after that, I did more of like a a corporate role, which was really interesting, right? Especially from a sales perspective, just the numbers, the inputs, the outputs, how sales is just repeating, repeating, memorizing, knowing what to say. And I really loved kind of seeing the ins and outs of that like well-oiled sales machine from 50 sales reps at a company. So that really helped me understand, right? Once you build these things, what do they look like? So then I had that corporate experience, which I liked, but if you're an entrepreneur saying the same thing, you know, the money might be good or what have you, but right. it was missing a little something for me. So basically Nimbler happened and here we are. And what would you say is
0: your main driver day to day? Like what makes you feel that fire that you do building what you are? That's
2: a good I question. Mean, your fire is so evident. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's because I'm wearing red. Um, <laughs> I would say it's, like I mentioned earlier, leadership is big for me and just leading a team to success really, really drives me, lights the fire in me for sure. The grit and like collaboration that can happen like underneath me and, and that I can help to happen. It makes me feel fulfilled. The team feels fulfilled. The team feels worthy. And it's not about, there's no end goal, right? It's you have to keep pushing and climbing the mountain. So you have to celebrate the little things and slowly climb that mountain and set small goals with your team. And for me, just it's so rewarding. I love what I do. I love the team that we work with. I feel so lucky. And, and yeah, for me, it's just about knowing that I can make a difference in these folks like professional and hopefully personal life.
0: And what huge obstacle have you successfully overcome and how did you overcome it?
2: I would say for Nimler, the early days, you know, we knew we had a problem that we were solving, but the hardest part, especially so for using a, the healthcare example, you're going into a real medical practice or a medical group with tens or hundreds of doctors and that's serious business. They're not just going to let anybody through those doors, but when you have no success cases yet, you know, you're knocking on doors kind of. So probably when we first were able to get our product in people's hands inside of their EHR and we were making a difference and we started converting trials and we just looked around and we're like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. It wasn't easy. And obviously the product that you start with is completely different than the product that you end up with. Not that we even have a product that we've ended up with yet, but yeah, I would say that that was a really rewarding obstacle to overcome was kind of the early days. And now it's just about scalability. This is Lex Euler, founder and
3: CEO of PT Pay. We help make the patient experience better when paying medical bills. I am based in Los Angeles. I mean, intentionally, I don't know. Like mine truly was accidental. I was just telling someone the story the other day. I think people think I've been hot girl in tech for like a very long time.
0: Yeah. Um, and just for clarity, at hot girl, like, so at, at symbol hot girl in tech, that's how to follow Lex on Twitter. Yeah. Yes.
3: But that was so I've been on Twitter since 2011. I've been addicted to the internet since I was 12 years old. I like logged in to the internet one time and truly don't think I've ever logged out. But part of that is I've always changed my handle on everything. My like super popular Tumblr blog, it always had a new name. My aim always changing my Twitter account, always changing. Instagram, always changing because I like to stay kind of anonymous. So nobody from my real life ever followed me on Twitter. I didn't actually know anyone on Twitter constantly changed my name. So when people are like, well, what was your handle before Hot Girl in Tech? I'm always like, dude, I don't know. And they're like, you're lying. And I'm like, bro, I'm not lying. There were like 78 names before Hot Girl in Tech. <laughs> and where Hot Girl in Tech came from is last year, Someone posted, it was like an early Stripe employee. Also, Peter Thiel has a new book and apparently this story is in there, but they don't know that that's where I got my handle. Early Stripe employee tweets, you should never hire a hot girl before finding product market fit because she'll distract the engineers. So anyways, that week I was looking for a new handle. It was not supposed to stick. I changed it to hot girl in tech and then it stuck. Also during that time, I sold photos of my butt on the internet (laughs) to raise to raise money for No Kid Hungry because I was very sad about the kids who weren't going to get free lunch during COVID. So I changed my handle to Hot Girl in Tech and I start selling photos of my butt on the internet. So if you wonder how all of the VC started following me in the first place, it was around that time. So <laughs> a few months later, <laughs> a few months later, my handle's still the same. Everyone is like, you shouldn't change it. And then I tweet about medical bills and then I raise around with the handle Hot Girl in Tech. And now... Now, like I actually have had investors who have said they would put money in if I changed my name. And I've had other investors who have said, I will never put more money into this company if you change your name. And I find it to be hilarious how divisive people are about my Twitter handle. And if I could get the handle at Lex, which I have tried to buy off of her many times, I would change it. But without that, I think it's unfortunately has stuck.
0: (laughs) I can't even like say anything because it's like, there's so much going on in every single aspect of that story. I know when I saw, when I saw your Twitter handle hot girl in tech, like I didn't know how to perceive it. Like as a new person seeing it, it was hearing the story behind it. And even with the fundraising you did for kids, I'm just like, Like, I don't want to, like, get into it, into it, but in my head, I'm into it. Like, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's, like, that's such, like, an equally, like, hero story and sad story at the exact same time. It's just, like, like, I'm so excited that you're winning, and I'm so irritated of, like, the maybes of how you got to be winning (laughs) that you didn't even intend. It just kind of, like, you know, like… I have like, I there's I've, a lot of like subbing, sub tweetings, whatever in my head right
3: now. I truly have spent, so I, I like to say that I'm a comedian and performance artist yeah. first and a CEO second. So I've lived my entire life, literally just trying to put myself in situations that end in good stories. Right. And I don't think I ever thought that it would get to the extent of like starting a company as a bit. And then accidentally finding out I'm like really good at it. But that, like, truly, that's what happened. I was just like, I don't know, we're just gonna like do this thing and see what happens.